I'm excited uh, about this sermon series, just excited about what God is doing and what he did last week. And uh, I just want to just jump into this and be sensitive to time because I want to make sure everybody gets home safe and get, get yourself ready for the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Green Bay Packers. Come on, let's just go with it. I, I see all the jerseys out there. I see your jerseys and uh, any Green Bay fans here? Don't even try. Green Bay, wow, wow. How did she get on the front row? That's what I want to, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Who led her in the front row? Anyway, so yeah, we're, we're just going to pray for our Cowboys. Oh, Jesus. Lord, right now we pray. <laughs> Lord knows, Lord knows they need them. They need the prayer, y'all. They need the prayer. Uh, but I, would, I do want to share a word with you that I feel like that God has just really laid on my heart that I think will be helpful to you. Maybe you're watching this live or whether you're watching this later. I just want to just minister to you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the second, uh, second Samuel, uh, fourth chapter, second Samuel, the fourth chapter. And uh, I want to speak to you today on something that I think is uh, very vital uh, in the day that we live in when it comes to conversations from pulpits. This is a topic that I think has always been shied away. I've shied away from because uh, I grew up in church. Um, most of my life I've been in church and, and you didn't hear the word trauma very often. And, uh, but I feel like that it is a time to where the church needs to not shy away from hot topics that we know that is affecting the world, but we need to bring it into the church, of course, for the purpose of pointing them to Jesus and the cross, that whatever it is that is traumatizing their life, that there is hope found in Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? And so I want to speak to you on a reset, removing the trace of trauma. Can we just pray over this? Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Father, that you're going to anoint me today. You know how I do it and how we do it, Holy Spirit. I pray that you will just, you preach sermons way better than I do. So minister, encourage, strengthen, and heal through your word today in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. Reading one verse in, in the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, it says this, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. So we have Jonathan and we have Saul, the grandfather of Jonathan, the son, and then the, the, the son of Jonathan was lame in both feet. And he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and he became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. I want to talk to you today on the sermon, How to Remove the Trace of Trauma. We have this story of this obscure character, and I've preached on Mephibosheth a couple of times before. And he's the son of Jonathan, as I said. And David and Jonathan were good friends. And there was a promise made uh, that David made to his best friend, Jonathan. He says, should anything ever happen to your family, I got you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover you. I'm going to cover your family. Then the nightmare happens. And as Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle on the same day, now knowing the normal military strategy of that day, Taking out the entire family is the way to conquer a nation. And then there's Mephibosheth, who is five years old, and I'm assuming he's outside playing, doing what kids would do at five years old. And then all of a sudden, he feels someone, and I'm just giving you the story, you can find it in 2 Samuel. All of a sudden, he feels someone grab him that's identified as what would be a nanny or a nurse, and, and she rushes him out of the king's palace, out of the city, uh, to an in, uh, entirely different city. And in the process of this mad rush, in the process of this chaos, in the process of this young Mephibosheth losing not only his dad, but his grandfather in one day, the, the nanny or the nurse carrying him drops him and then he's crippled for life. He saw his father and grandfather murdered. And then while escaping from being where he needed to be, he's then dropped. Trauma is a result 
of being dropped. Dropped by a father that left you, dropped by a mother that didn't affirm you, dropped by a marriage that was full of abuse, that was full of maybe dropped by, by school friends that, that could have been your friends, but they chose to bully you instead. Dropped by the sudden death of a loved one, maybe someone you've been praying for God to heal them. You still, you smile every day, but you've been dropped. You, you, you're going through the motions, but you've been dropped. And, and you know that God has good things for you, but you've been dropped. Trauma. And here's the thing about Mephibosheth. The trauma would have been minimized had someone just taken the time to reset his crippled feet. Now, I don't know if they did that back in those days, but the word reset just stands out to me for some reason right now. Because I believe there's somebody here that just needs to be reset from some trauma that's been in your life. That there's somebody here today that you just need to be have a reset with some things so you can get back to your joyful self that you know that you used to be. Because we've learned in the body of Christ, or if you're just, if you're not even a follower of Jesus and you're here today or you're watching online, we've learned how to smile through it while we're breaking inside. That trauma has done such a work on our life and on our heart that we do not even know how to exist unless we get a reset in our life. Somebody say it's time for a reset. Trauma. It's a, it's a deeply distressing or disturbing past experience that overwhelms your thoughts, your emotions, and even your body. Diane Langberg says this. Langberg said, trauma is the mission field of our time. And I want to put a little uh, a preface before I start into this. I'm not a psychologist, nor am I a licensed counselor. I'm a pastor. I'm your pastor that hurts at the thought of you hurting. That is affected to know that deep down inside that there's something really traumatic going on in your heart. I'm a pastor that's affected to know that that you smile well around here, but your smile turns into tears when you go home. So I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, I'm not trying to be that, but I am trying to be your pastor that will remind you of this. Greater is he that is in you than the enemy that is in the world. And so I just want to prop up your faith and say, if you've been traumatized by anything, that God is faithful and God is able to take you away from that mess that you have been dealing with for some for many, many years. And I'm also not here to peel the scab off of something that is being healed, maybe through a counselor, I'm not here to change anything that if you're, if you're seeking counseling, which I think is a great idea, if you're talking to a therapist about some trauma in your life, I'm not trying to interrupt what they're speaking over your life. I'm just putting a faith glance in your life again to realize that there's still the word of God and there's still prayer that can help you as you're getting through this season of your life. I'm here to encourage you in the word. And, and I'm also here to tell you, as I mentioned, that professional counseling and a therapist is not a bad thing. Yes, I believe God can take care of it all at the altar. God can take care of it all with just the spoken word of God. I believe that God can heal you from the inside out just like that. How many believe that we serve a God of miracles? Amen. But I also know this is that just because you decide to seek counseling or a therapist for your life, based on some trauma in your life, it does not show that you lack faith for your own healing. So can I just set you free? It doesn't mean you didn't have enough faith. It means that sometimes God will place somebody in your life to help you walk it out. Now, I believe also that if you are seeking a, a, a counselor or a professional, 
that you should always find someone that believes faith with you. I don't believe you should just go to Google and whoever has a cool name, you should pick them. Do your research and see if they are Christian therapists because they have not only the the knowledge and they have the education, but they also have the anointing. And between education and knowledge and the anointing and the word of God, I promise you, you're going to walk in freedom. So that's just a couple of just, just advice for you. Trauma. It could have been a car accident. It could have been a rape. It could have been a neglect. It could be something for those that served in our military. Maybe it was PTSD. It is PTSD or, or combat trauma or Maybe you uh, were a, a, a part or you witnessed domestic violence. Maybe it's a natural disaster. Or maybe there's some childhood trauma. Maybe it's bullying that you uh, didn't realize at school, that seventh, eighth grade, sixth grade, you just were constantly bullied in school and you still feel the effects. Your self-esteem is crushed because you don't even know how to respond in a crowd because at the time that you should have had friends, you had terrible friends that were bullying you and using you as a mark of embarrassment so they could get a laugh out of you. That's traumatic. Maybe it's abuse, physical, emotional, or sexual. Assault, maybe it's physical or sexual. Sudden, a sudden loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a divorce that you didn't want and you plan to be married forever and you still feel the effects of that trauma. Or maybe it's a child that you experienced a divorce, that you had a mother or a father, that when you were a young child, impressionable, that they walked out and you're trying to still raise your own kids with the, with the, uh, without the example of a father that was there or a mother that was there. Or, or maybe it was, it, it's a trauma of a life-threatening illness that that doctor's report said, said that you only have this long to live. Or maybe the doctor report said that you have cancer. Or maybe it's just a life-threatening issue that has caused trauma in your life. Maybe it was, uh, you've been uh, held up or are you a part of some crime or being attacked in some way? I, it was Christmas Eve, our Christmas Eve service. It was festive and, and we had our photo things over there. And Holly and I went over there and we, we, we did our little 360 photo booth thing. And then and everybody's having a good time. It's Christmas. I had a young man that's been a part of our church or just in and out of our church for many years. And he said, Pastor Kelly, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah, hey, man, what's up? Merry Christmas. He goes, can you pray for me? And I was like, yeah, man, what's up? I said, he goes, um, this man, he's crying. You know, he's crying. Everybody's having a good time drinking hot chocolate. He's crying. And, and he says, I, I, he showed me his hand and he showed how his, Part of his hand was all scarred up. And he says, I was, I was being held up in my car. And so I, I put up my hand and to, to stop the, the, the one that was trying to, to, to hold us up. And he pulled the trigger and he, he hit my hand, but my friend's little brother in the back seat, it killed him. And I, I don't know. And he's crying. He goes, I don't. I still don't know if it's my fault or not. So, I mean, while everybody's having this Christmas celebration, this guy's wrecked. Trauma. And so we have it around us, and we have a lot of people that are affected by it. But what's the answer? What does it lead to? Well, it leads to trust issues. It, it, it leads often to rage and anger it, it, it will lead to a lot of anxiety, panic attacks, and it will lead to insecurities. And you can't build relationships because you have so much insecurity with yourself. You don't know how to love anybody else because you don't know how to love yourself. And it's not even your fault. It's trauma. Or, or it leads, often will lead to divorce. And just the trauma that you carried into your marriage, you're trying to work it out. And you have your kids watching your marriage fall apart because of its undealt trauma from the past. And, and it also, it will lead to so much fear at just proportionate levels. Fear of everything. 
worry, anxiety, anxiousness, all these things, it will lead to living your life full of fear. Trauma is a funny thing because it, it, it's like you, you look as though it may not, you may not be, everybody doesn't see you like this. You still work. You still go to school. You still go to college. You, you, you still come to church and you serve. And, and, and so you don't walk around like this. But, but just because you have perfected, you, you don't walk around like this, but you still walk around like this. Because chain isn't just to bind you. Chains also to weigh you down. And you walk free. You talk free. You smile free. But you still are. You still feel the weight of the chains of trauma. So I believe that, that, that there's something that can be done. I believe there's some. There's some things in the word of God that I believe will bring some help and some deliverance. I believe that we can realize that we can get through the various emotions of trauma. Like the fight emotion. Where often you don't know why you just get really ragey at times. You're very confrontational and it's not even your nature. You have anger outburst. Uh, you, you're, you have explosive behavior and it's not you. It's the trauma in you. Or not only there's the fight emotion, there's the flight emotion where you just run away. You just run away. You, you, you do whatever you can to keep yourself busy so you don't have to deal with the trauma. You, you're, you're the overthinker. You, you panic often. You're a little bit more anxious and you, you're, you're possibly a perfectionist. And, and so you just work, work, work. You just try to just stay away from it. You come home from work and you just, if you could just go to a room away from the rest of your family, that's your happy place. Or there's also the freeze emotion where you just shut down. And you're a people pleaser by chance. And you, you have difficulty making decisions and and you find yourself stuck and you find yourself isolated and you, you, you disassociate yourself from people. You just, you just get yourself stuck. And then there's something called fawn, F-A-W-N, is you're the one that just wants to appease. You, you, you have a problem over agreeing with everything. People pleasing is your thing. If I can just make everybody happy, I'm good. And it may not be the nature. You may be very, very uh, a person that's very generous with your time. And you may be very thoughtful and very selfless. And it's okay to be that. And I'm not trying to, if you, if you identify with any of these characteristics, I'm not saying it's all because of trauma. That may be the way God war, has, has wired you to be. But we do know, based on this research, that what this research finds these categories. And, and so you could fall in these categories that's outside of the nature of who God's created you to be. But you can leave your trauma today. You don't have to live with the trauma. And whether I'm planting a seed today, or maybe I'm watering a seed today, or maybe there's gonna be a harvest of your healing today. I don't care which role I play in your life. If I just gotta get you thinking just to process it, I, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm just here because I love you and I wanna see you walk in the freedom that God has for your life. Yeah, yeah. So the Bible is full of trauma. <laughs> Many characters dealt with trauma. I think of Jacob who had daddy issues and had mama trauma. He had daddy issues because his dad preferred his other brother. And then he had mama trauma because mama was trying to scheme with Jacob to try to get back at the daddy that caused the issues. Talking about some family drama trauma. And, and, and so we know that trauma is real. David dealt with trauma. Saul is trying to kill him. He's running in and out of caves. And, and Psalms shows us this. If you look at Psalms and you see this emotional roller coaster that David was often dealt with, dealing with. And, and so we see that some trauma was his own doing, his lust for Bathsheba. 
led to her getting pregnant. Then David arranged for her husband to be killed. And then, then the baby that Bathsheba has then, then dies. And that's a whole lot of trauma. Adultery. Then we have murder. And then we have the death of a child. That's a whole lot of trauma. But trauma often is from the hands of people that are closest to us. And David experienced this when he felt the intense pain of, of a close friend that betrayed him and conspired with his enemies to try to kill him. And in the 55th chapter of Psalm, he writes this. He goes, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Trauma will have you feeling like God isn't even present in your life. And he says, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy. If the enemy can't get to you, he will cause enough noise around you to distract you and to disturb you. And because of this oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me and my heart is in anguish within me the terrors of the death have fallen upon me fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me and I say oh that I had wings like a dove I would fly away and be at rest yes I would wander away I would lodge in the wilderness trauma has no boundaries Trauma will get you. Trauma will take somebody that is anointed, full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, goes to church, speaks in tongues, does all these things, and will have you wanting to drive into the woods where nobody can find you. In fact, I've had two people most recently that has told me, Christian friends of mine, that has said, you know what? I don't want to do anything. I don't want to harm myself. But if I could, if I could just drive into, just drive away where nobody could find me and just live the rest of my life that way. These are believers. These are people that know the power of God, that know that there's power in the word of God. And even David shows us. So we normalize it a little bit to know that if you have these feelings, Welcome to the club. Welcome to David's life to where we understand, but there's still power in the cross of Jesus. That if you're facing trauma today, you don't have to be stuck. If I believe for a moment that you have to be stuck with the trauma of your life, then there's no point in me standing up here every week and preaching the word of God to you. Because I believe the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe it can penetrate, it can pull out all of the hurt and the pain of whatever has caused you this trauma in your life. I believe in the word that much. Trauma is real, but also trauma is transferable. It's transferable. I talked about Jacob, about how there was this transferable trauma in, in, in the life of Jacob. But we see that even through the dysfunction of the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they still, we still recognize them as our act, we recognize God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we understand that trauma doesn't have to define you, but you can still be everything that God wants you to be, even with a traumatized path. But we understand that there's a, a cycle that has to break in trauma. You have to take the responsibility to break the cycle of trauma. You've got to be the one. My dad, I'll use him as an example. My dad did not know his father. He, he lived with his grandmother. His mother was never around. She was running around from, from boyfriend to boyfriend to husband to husband. But dad had a praying grandmother. And dad didn't know what it was like to have a, a father. So his mother eventually meets, uh, meets who eventually became my grandfather. He meets uh, she meets and marries someone and they're both alcoholics. Dad grows up in this home as a teenager. He meets my mom. They're, they're, they're teenage high school boyfriend and girlfriend. And then they get married at a young age, right out of high school or, or right before high school. Y'all were like young. Y'all were like young. Like 17, 18 years old. They were very, very young. And, uh, and so my dad then takes on this family. But my dad made the decision. 
And even though that he grew up in all of this drama, and now this was before Jesus. Now I want to say that for a moment, because even without the Lord, some wise decisions can still break trauma. But when you have Jesus, when you get the Lord... And so I, my dad starts a family and here my mom and dad this year will be married 60 years, 60 years in August. We're going to party. We're going to party like it's 1999. But my dad, I don't know if he had some intentional plan, but I think because of the help of the Lord and the help of, of my mother, he broke the curse. He broke it. The trauma that he experienced as a kid, not knowing his father, he decided, listen, I can't go back and I can't change it, but I sure can fix it for the generation that's coming. So now I have an example of a healthy marriage. So, so my wife and I this year will be married 30 years. And guess who that, who, guess who we've kept our eyes on how to keep marriage together? To the ones that have been married for 60 years. And it all happened because my dad decided the cycle breaks here. And I want you to take that in for a moment because you have to make sure you are intentional. That your kids don't pick up the trauma. Because you've got to be the one to put your foot in the middle of this and say, no, this is not going to happen on my watch. Get help. Make sure you do whatever you can to break that so your kids can see the healthy version of you. So your kids can see the healthy marriage version of you. Do what you got to do to break it so they can have a good example as they build their life together yeah because if we do not transform our pain we will most assuredly transmit it so we break the cycle of trauma and we work toward forgiveness i almost left this one out because it seems a little bit insensitive of me not knowing your trauma for me to even bring up the word forgiveness. But I, I can't because the Bible says. The Bible tells us about forgiveness. Let me tell you a few things that what forgiveness does not mean for you. It does not mean that you are proven of what someone else did. It does not mean pretending that evil never took place. It does not mean making excuses for other people's bad behavior. Forgiveness does not mean justifying evil so that sin somehow becomes less sinful. Forgiveness does not mean overlooking abuse. Forgiveness, it does not mean denying that others tried to hurt you re repeatedly. Forgiveness, it does not mean letting others walk all over you. Forgiveness does not mean refusing to press charges when a crime has been committed. Forgiveness, it does not mean forgetting the wrong that was done. Forgiveness does not mean that you must trust, that you must restore the relationship to what it was before. It does not mean that. It, it does not mean that you must become best friends again. It, forgiveness does not mean there must be a total reconciliation as if nothing ever happened. Forgiveness, it does not mean that you must tell the person that you have forgiven them. Forgiveness, it does not mean that all negative consequences of sin are canceled. We have to understand, before we know what forgiveness is, we have to understand what forgiveness is not. Because we put a lot of pressure on us that we have to perform, that there's nothing in the word of God that tells us that we have to perform that way. Now, do we, should we be kind? Of course we should. Should we try to get through this with, with grace and mercy and kindness? Of course we should. But it, but it doesn't mean 
that we have to always go back to the way it was before. Because the example of this is that forgiveness is important to our life. Because we look at the life of Joseph, who's thrown in a pit. He's sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused. He's in prison, all alone in a foreign land. That's traumatic. That's a lot of trauma. Joseph finds his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. But here's the power of forgiveness. We read in Genesis 45, it says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. They didn't know who he was. They're the ones responsible for all of this trauma. They didn't know who he was. But then Joseph says this, when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. He shows this forgiveness. How do we show that type of forgiveness? You don't do it without the Lord. It's impossible to do it without the Lord. But it's possible for you. Because forgiving somebody is not to set them free. It's to set, it's to set you free. That's the biggest myth that we can't, that's the hurdle of forgiveness that we can't seem to get over. It's because we think that we're doing them a favor, that we're trying to make them go, thank you, I feel better now. It's not about them. It's not about them. It's about God taking potentially this last bit, this last little thing, this last link in the chain that could be weighing you down. And again, I am not here to control the timeline of forgiveness in your life. That's not my job here today. My job is just to tell you that it's possible. It's possible. And however you reason that out with the help of the Lord, or maybe even with the help of a counselor, is how it's reasoned out. But I'm just here to tell you that it is possible. And also, you can prepare to recover you can prepare to recover. We go back to the story of Mephibosheth. And in, and in chapter 9, verse 4, he says this. Where is he? David is now looking for Mephibosheth. He's, he's trying to honor what he made, the deal he made with his father, Jonathan. And he says, I got to find him. Where is Mephibosheth? Where is he at? He asked. And in Lodibar is what Ziba, assistant, told him at the home of Makar, a son of Amiel. And, and so he lives in this town called Lodibar. The word Lodibar means no pasture and no word. Lodibar is a desolate place. It's, it's a place in the middle of nowhere. It's a place where there's no life, there's no hope. Lodibar is, is the place where you cannot have any life. And David finds him in his trauma, sitting crippled in Lodibar. And it says in verse five, David sent for him and brought him to his home. And his name was Mephibosheth and he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low, Mephibosheth to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. And then in verse nine, it says, then, he, then the king called Ziba, and he saw a servant and he said to him, all that belonged to Saul, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson and you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson shall always eat at my table. Such a great story. So he, he finds him in his trauma and he says, no, 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 you are not meant to stay there because David says it's restoration season for you. So he pulls him back 
He says, you're not, you're not gonna have to be, live a life of a beggar. You're not gonna have to wonder where your next meal's coming from because you are now at my table and I've got everybody that's gonna work on your inheritance, all of the produce that is rightfully yours. You don't even have to work for it. It's just gonna be given to you. What a beautiful gift to someone that experienced so much trauma. And I just wanna encourage you that God wants to restore the trauma in your life, that whatever it is that God is calling you back to the table, that you don't have have to live in a place called Lodi Bar anymore. You don't have to live in a place anymore to where there's no life and you're, you're constantly dealing with your own internal pain. You don't have to stay there, but God wants to restore you to the place that he has for you. So God wants to restore you and you have to also remember the greatest trauma ever. Because as we have all of these different characters, and there's many more in the Bible. We have to remember the greatest trauma ever. The old song says, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. That's love. And they hung him high, and they stretched him wide. He hung his head and then he died. That's love. Each nail was six to eight inches long. And the nails were driven into his wrist. And both his feet were nailed together. And he was forced to support himself on the single nail that impelled his feet to the cross for over three hours. I'm here to tell you today, that is the greatest trauma ever. The sacrifice of the cross that Jesus, he, he, uh, he, he said yes to the cross so we don't have to deal with the trauma of our life. We understand the Bible says in Isaiah that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our what? Our peace. What's the answer for our trauma today? Peace. Peace. Peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The Greek word for wound is trauma. And there's a, a process. I, I looked up wound care in the in, in on, on Google. I, I Googled wound care. And there's a process calling, and if I mispronounce words, all of you in the medical field don't judge me. There's a process called proliferation and it's marked when someone has an open wound. It's the last phases of the wound healing and it's marked by new tissue regeneration. It's where the wound is over. The trauma is over and now there is a, there is a new tissue that's coming. And then after that process is maturation and it rearranges that new tissue. It, it rearranges the new tissue and it creates a, here's the best word of the day. It creates a scar. A scar. A scar. That's where we want to get all of us. To the scar. Because the scar tells us two things. It tells us it's over. It's over. I'm not dealing with that anymore. I'm not dealing with that pain anymore. I'm not dealing with, with the thoughts of what they did to me. I'm not dealing with that anymore. I have the scar to show that I am healed. But the scar also is a sign to show others, look what the Lord has done. I got through it. I'm not defined by my trauma, so I have my scar to show me. David had scars. Jacob had a limp. Mephibosheth, he couldn't walk. Jesus had scars. Thomas says, I won't believe it until I can put my hands in his nail-scarred hands. Jesus removes the trace of trauma to reveal the grace of healing. 
Your scars are not the trace of your, of your trauma. Your scars are the grace of your trauma to say, I made it through. I made it through. I'm done. I have nothing left on my iPad. I'm at the very end. And on this unseasonably cold January day, wouldn't it be just like the Lord to set you up like this at home? Wouldn't it be just like the Lord just to align this moment for me just to give you a little encouragement to know that trauma does not have to be your forever. I, I know y'all pretty well now. Done this enough to know. With the feedback that I, I receive or I don't receive, kind of know what's going on. And for some of this, it, it's, it's just bringing a little too real. I, I get it. But I want to, I want to say again, my, my goal is not, to, is not to plummet you down, but to prop you up. And whatever God has done in your life, and if he's healed you of trauma, and I know some of y'all's stories. If he's healed you of trauma and you are completely healed, like he whom the sun sets free is free indeed type of healing. If you're truly free, then here's my, here's my, my uh, commission for you. Tell everybody about your scars. Tell everybody about it. Because we, we live in a world where there's so much trauma. And it ain't going to get any better. And so if we that can testify that God has delivered us, if we could just be a witness and a light, we can really make a difference in darkness. But I want to speak to the ones that maybe you're in the middle of it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you today for your word. God, I pray for those that maybe are dealing with this. Father, this wasn't one that I just, this subject wasn't one I just jumped at because I understand the, understand, understand. But Father, I, I thank you that I just believe in your word so much. It's just using, and there's plenty of scripture. I could, have, I could have lined them up with scripture, God, but it's stuff they've heard. But Father, I just wanted to take some people out of the Bible and show them that trauma is real. And trauma can be great in our life, but you are greater. You're greater. You're greater. You're still a healer. You're still a deliverer. You still, God, go to the deepest places of our heart that is still so hurt, God. You are so faithful that you can still bring healing to that. God, I thank you that you're bringing healing to my brothers and sisters today. And I give you the glory for it. If you will stand to your feet, I just want to just pray over you. And I want to ask of the ministers that are here today just to come. And, and, and I, I, I don't know, I don't want to, you know, just drag this out. But if you have trauma in your life, that's, just, that's as simple as I'm going to make this. If you have trauma in your life, I want you to come and I want us to agree with you. You don't have to divulge that. We're not going to ask you, what is your trauma? That's not what we're here for. But if you just need somebody to agree with you, I want to invite you to come. I want, you, I want to invite you to come down and let us agree with you. I promise you, we've all got trauma. I've got some trauma. Maybe it's some self-induced trauma. Maybe it's trauma that you brought on yourself. Can I invite you to come? Maybe it's something, and maybe you, you, you know, you just, you're trying to reason with it. Can I invite you to come? Just, just step up to someone and let them pray with you. Just, just let them pray with you right now, and I just want to agree with you. Because God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. Not here to, to rub scabs off. 
I'm not here to get you back in your thoughts of something that God has delivered you from. If he's delivered you, stay delivered. But this is for the people that are dealing with it. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for deliverance. Give you praise, Lord, for deliverance today. Oh, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. Yeah, I want to pray with you. Look at these teenagers coming up. Adrian, come on over here, man. Pray, pray for some of these teenagers. God, I, I pray right now that every memory is going away in Jesus' name. Deliverance right now. I thank you, Father, for healing. Healing right now in the name of Jesus. Healing, God. Clear the mind. I take authority over the fear. I take authority over the panic and the fear. Let healing come right now in the name of Jesus. God, let healing come from the inside out. Father, do a work in his heart, God. God, I pray that he's in the maturation phase. That God, he's beginning to scar. And it's going to be a testimony of how you brought him through. Heal the wound right now in the name of Jesus, God. Heal the wound right now in the name of Jesus. Heal the wound right now in the name of Jesus. Trauma is not our destiny. It's not our destiny. Wounds are not our destiny. It's not how God's made us. We go through things, but it's not supposed to stick with us forever. Let healing come in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, thank you for healing, God. God, I come against abuse, God, right now in the name of Jesus. God, I, I speak against marriages that are allowing their anger to get way, way overboard. Forgive us for being a part of that, God. Our kids are watching us, God. Forgive us for that. God, I pray that you'll, you'll help us, give us self-control to be able to, to understand that that's not the way you've created us, God. In the name of Jesus. God, bring healing, bring healing, bring healing right now, God. Father, I pray for those that have been bullied, that are feeling the effects, that their self-esteem has just been just crushed to non-existent. No self-esteem. I take authority over it right now. God, that you're, you're making them that you're, you're assuring their identity in the name of Jesus. I take authority right now, God, over those that are feeling the effects of a sudden death of a loved one, that somebody that maybe is in the grieving process. God, I pray right now that you're going to bring healing to their heart. Bring healing to their heart. That maybe they're feeling the trauma, God, that they, that they don't understand because... They, they prayed for healing and it didn't come. And God, we're, we're battling the trauma of that. And honestly, God, sometimes we're battling being a little frustrated with you. Help us, God, heal us today. That's not what we want to do. That's not the way we want to feel. We want to be free. So help us today. Father, bring right now understanding, God. And even those that are, that are feeling the trauma of maybe alcoholism and addiction issues. God, I pray right now for those that grew up in a home where there was a lot of addiction and so many bad memories. And they maybe you today, you battle addiction because of it. It can break right now. We speak right now that you will be the one to break the cycle in the name of Jesus. Healing come, healing come, healing come. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. No, it's not much. Oh, my key. 
Except for a heart singing hallelujah. Throw up my hands, praise you again and again. All that I the hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah. Yeah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, just trying to be sensitive. I don't want to rush this moment. If anybody just needs continual prayer, just want to make sure that we're covering everybody. And maybe you didn't come down or if you're at home, just allow the word of God to uh, touch your heart. Allow the presence of the Lord to encourage you to know that you don't have to be stuck in this season. And if you need professional counseling, I've, you can call our office. I have two or three counselors that I highly recommend. And make that investment in yourself. Of course, I'm here to pray with you as a pastor. Um, be glad to pray with you in any way I can. But uh, just know that we have resources for you and know that God can heal you. Everybody good today? I know, it's, I know it was a big one, but I believe God is in the room. The healer is in the house. Amen. So, Father, I thank you today as we close, as we, as we get ready to transition. I thank you, Father, that chains are broken today. And, Father, as I said, if, it, if I've just come to, just to water the seed or maybe there's a harvest of healing that's taken place or maybe I've just planted a seed and someone goes, man, I thought I was healed, but maybe maybe there's still a few things that's kind of coming out of this. God, I thank you that your that your your will is perfect for us, and I thank you, Father, that you're bringing healing to each and every one of us today. And we give you the praise and we give you the glory. The chains are broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you're grateful for that, somebody. Uh, just give him a shout of praise. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this was a resource and a blessing to your life. Go to our webpage, polc.cc, to connect with us on all of the things that we're doing. And we want to stay connected to you because we believe God has some great things for you.